Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have you ever noticed the um, the repetition of a certain theme in prophecy? There's destruction followed by restoration. God is in the business of restoring life and health, happiness, and joy. He loves to bless, but he just has a very distinct way that he wants people to live, knowing that that leads to health and happiness and joy and all the good things that people want and need. He's a loving father. Well, I wanted to read to you today two chapters out of Isaiah in the NLT version because it brings a clearer understanding and it is a real genuine translation. It is not the New Living Bible. It is a New Living Translation. There's a difference. Here's what it says. Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words, for the Lord is enraged against the nations. His fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them to slaughter. Wow. They're dead will be left unburied, and the stench of rotting bodies will fill the land. You, The mountains will flow with their blood. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom. Now, Edom today is centralized in Jordan, the nation that I have marked for destruction. The sword of the Lord is drenched with blood and covered with fat with the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of rams, or with the fat of rams prepared for sacrifice. Yes, the Lord will offer a sacrifice in the city of Basra. And let's just interject something right there. Basra is a city in Jordan. I've researched this a little bit, and uh, of course they call it by another name today, but I believe it is personal, uh, personally that it is the city of Petra, believe it or not. Petra. What happened to Petra? Who built Petra? Who dug out all those sandstone um, cavities and and made chambers and and rooms that are almost a hundred feet tall. An open room that tall? What was it? 
They always call it a monastery or uh, a, a church or something like that, or maybe tombs, you know. They're always calling these things tombs. Well, that's silly. I mean, that, people don't just go and do all that work just to get tombs. No, it's much easier to just bury them in a box or uh, put them in a cave someplace until the following year and then pick up the remains and put it in a box. So anyway, to move on, Basra is Petra, in my view. In my view. And also, a lot of researchers feel that way, seems to me. Verse 7. Well, it says he will make a mighty slaughter in Edom. In Edom. As you know, Edom was the brother of Jacob, Esau. And they never got along. And for obvious reasons, Esau married foreign women to defy his parents. Whoa. That's why... Um, Jacob's mother, Rachel, said that if Jacob were to marry one of these foreign women, her life would not be worth living. Remember that Jacob was her favorite, while Esau was her dad's, the dad's favorite, Isaac's favorite. Well, Isaac was a man after... Um, a man's heart. I mean, he was a, a man's man. He was an outdoorsman. He liked things out of doors and such. But I digress. Verse 7, Even men as strong as wild oxen will die, the young men alongside the veterans. Wow. The land will be soaked with blood and the soil enriched with fat. For it is the day of the Lord's revenge, the year when Edom, or Esau, and his descendants will be paid back for all it did to Israel. Well, what did Edom do to Israel? For that, we got to go back to Deuteronomy 2, and uh, verses 2 through 6. This is what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You have skirted this mountain, Mount Seir. Now, that's where Esau and his descendants settled. Long enough. You have skirted this mountain long enough. Now turn northward. Command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the descendants of Esau who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land, no, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat. And you also buy water from them with your money that you may drink. 
So God is telling Israel to treat the Edomites with kid gloves as you go through their land. Later, in Deuteronomy 23, verse 7, he warns them again, You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he's your brother. By God's command, then, Israel was to approach the Edomites with fraternal care in all their dealings. Brothers have a bond of virtue by birth. They are of the same blood. And so they should watch each other's back and take care of one another. The two sons of Isaac rarely treated each other in this manner. But this is the standard to which God held the Israelites. Now, let me just quote some more from the book of Obadiah, verses 5 through 9. And this is what he says. If thieves had come to you... If robbers by night, oh, how you would be cut off. Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they have not left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasure shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day even destroy the wise men from Edom, says the Lord, and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, now Teman is a city in Saudi Arabia, shall be dismayed to the end that every one from the mountains of Esau shall be cut off by slaughter. In other words, they did nothing to help their brothers. They turned their back on them and separated themselves and would not help them. So, God lays out the terrible consequences for Edom's sins and rebellions. So, in other words, the Confederates and the allies of Edom are going to be destroyed. Obadiah paints an illustration, it says here, of Edomites sitting down to eat with their allies and not perceiving the treacherous trap being laid for them. Wow. In Leviticus uh, 19, in verse 17, it says this, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Succinctly, this describes the fundamental uh, flaw in Edom. Edom's hatred is the primary uh, consequence of the pride that she had. Because he always felt that he was, uh, he should have been the firstborn and the master, therefore, and received his father's wealth and blessings, which he sold for a bowl of lentil stew. But Esau nursed his wounded feelings and wanted to kill Jacob. Remember that? And so, for violence against your brother Jacob, 
Shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. Obadiah, verse 10. So maybe that's enough there. But uh, So let's go on. The land will be soaked with blood, and the soil enriched with fat. It is the day of the Lord's uh, taking revenge, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom shall be filled with burning pitch, as you've heard me say before from the King James. And the ground will be covered with fire. We better pay attention to that. That's, that's pretty uh, scary stuff. This judgment on Edom will never end. In other words, God is going to follow it all the way. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation. No one will live there anymore. It will be haunted by desert, the desert owl and the screech owl, the great owl and the raven. For God will measure that land carefully. He will measure it for chaos and destruction. It will be called the land of nothing, and all of its nobles will soon be gone. Thorns will overrun its palaces, and nettles and thistles will grow in its forts. Do you know that Petra is one of the driest places on earth? That's interesting. There's very little vegetation growing there. The ruins will become a haunt for jackals and a home for owls. Now, I've heard that Israel and the Jews went there and uh, built cities inside there, places that you can actually live, hotels and such, and stock food there because they know that Jesus said that when uh, World War III starts, flee to the mountains. Well, and they go there. So they're preparing for that. It will be a home for owls, Desert animals will mingle there with hyenas and their howls filling the night. Wild goats will bleed at one another among the ruins and night creatures will come there to rest. That's exactly what's happening there now. There the owl will make her nest and lay her eggs. She will hatch her young and cover them with her wings. The buzzards will come, and each one will have its mate. Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Not one of these birds or animals will be missing, and none will lack a mate, for the Lord has promised this. His Spirit will make it all come true. Verse 17, He has surveyed and divided the land and deeded it over to those creatures and they will possess it forever from generation to generation. That's the end of the chapter. Now, chapter 35. We've seen the destruction, and now, and it's talking about the whole earth. It says, Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord is enraged against all nations, 
his fury against all their armies. There will come an end to war, my friends, complete end, and it will never happen again, at least for a thousand years. During the rule and reign of Jesus Christ as King of Kings on this earth. You know, I heard yesterday a sermon by a, a wonderful uh, teacher of pastors. He, he teaches pastors how to be pastors. And he asked the question, what is the gospel? And we heard lots of answers from the audience, and they said things like uh, personal salvation or knowing Jesus as our personal Savior, being forgiven of our sins, and such. And I thought, all right, if I get the chance, I'm going to tell them what the gospel really is. Well, I didn't get my chance until after the sermon and, and he was leaving. So I, I said, Tim, please come here a second. And I wanted to talk with him about uh, what had happened. And I said, to me, they all missed the boat. They all missed what the gospel really is. The gospel is the fact that we have a Savior that is coming back to save this planet and take over its governments and set up a government that will rule all nations. We seem to ignore that. And we, we think it's about personal salvation and Christian living. Well, no, 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 no. That's only the beginning. Only the beginning. Now, get this. This is chapter 35, book of Isaiah, NLT. Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. Sounds good. It's beautiful. And the deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory and the splendor of our God. With this news, gospel, that means good news, with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those of fearful hearts, be strong and don't fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Can we get that? That is the gospel right there. He is coming to save you. And not some mental gymnastic or spiritual salvation. Not a personal level salvation. This is worldwide. This is for every human being. And when he comes, verse 5, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Wow, this is too cool. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, 
and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground, now parched means overheated, the parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy a thir the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. That's because they won't exist. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Can you imagine a world like that? A world where there are no dangers? That sounds pretty great for me, uh, to me. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed, didn't Jesus say that he would give his life as a ransom for many? Yes. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return, and they will enter Jerusalem with singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Wow. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Wow. That is so beautiful. And that is what's coming. Now, where exactly is Jordan anyway? And why Jordan? Jordan doesn't seem to hit the news all that often. Well, Jordan is the land between Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Israel, and Syria. That's the, the little, uh, I mean, it's, compared to Israel, it's about three times the size of Israel. It's a little country. Um, it's smaller than Syria by about half. And um, it's kind of caught right there in the middle of it all. Well, this to me is where the whole crux of World War III starts. It's in Israel, or around Israel. It's right next door to Israel. In fact, they're friends to a degree. They're, they are friends. And that's why the relationship between Petra and Israel is so uh, active. But let's take a look at Saudi Arabia. It's right next to their southern border. And then Iraq is on their uh, eastern border. And Iraq's in the middle. It's caught between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Right now, there's a big war going on in Yemen. And it won't be long before that spreads to Oman and the uh, United Arab Emirates and uh, possibly even getting into, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to look at the map here, um, 
Kuwait and, and other places there, but it's, it's like this, the Sunnis versus the Shiites, and I've mentioned that before, but I believe that the, the Sunnis are going to end up being the king, quote-unquote, of the South. And the northern tier of the states of Europe are being taken over by Shiites, Shiite Muslims. And they are bully boys. And they take over. And they outpopulate the natives and run them out. And then they destroy everything. That's just what they do. The Sunnis, on the other hand, like to live lavishly. They're not strict Muslims, like, or not as strict. They still cut off people's hands and heads and things like that. They hate the Jews. They hate Christians. They won't allow Christians into Saudi Arabia. No Bible can exist there. But they're not quite as um, strict on other things, they they don't have burqas and things like that that they force their women to put up with. Women are not that secondary citizens there, although they have many wives. So they are a very oppressive group to women, that is for sure. Why feminists don't pick up on that is... Uh, telling of their agenda. But the southern tier of the shoreline of the Mediterranean, I believe, will become Sunni, while the northern tier, that would be um, Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, Germany, um, all of what we consider to be Europe, that's all going to be taken over, including England, by the way, I believe, by the Shiites. So that's where the big war is going to be, and it's going to be fought over the, the precious things that are there. And what are the precious things? And i got to mention also to you that the fact that we are entering a new ice age. It's not global warming we should be worried about. It's staying warm. And it's not caused by uh, mankind. It is caused by God controlling his sun. The sun itself is not having very much activity. There's no sunspots. There's no... Uh, coronal mass ejections happening, things like that, that cause changes in the Earth's weather and warms it up. The power is turned down a notch, it seems like. Now there are no sunspots. That's weird. And what's that going to do to the Earth? It's going to cool it off. It's not global warming to worry about. It's staying warm. So the precious things of Egypt and the Middle East and um, Israel and Saudi Arabia and Iran and Iraq, that whole region is full of oil. Well, now it's going to become precious fuel oil to keep warm with. And that's, that's a prediction that 
I think you can easily see down the road is is starting now. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to prepare? Jesus said to be prepared, be ready. And so that's what we need to be doing. Well, we can grow food for a while, but, you know, up north, in the United States anyway, and in Canada, it may not be growing anything in the next 10 to 20 years. So we need to look down the road just a little bit and prepare. Well, what are you going to do? Move to South America? No, I don't think I'd want to do that. I think I'll stick it right out here in Florida and uh, stay right where I'm at, grow my own food. But if that is all true, and it is a uh, grand solar minimum, and it will cool off the earth, people are going to be moving to Florida. And for good reason. Florida is, is not very populated by comparison. So there's still a lot of development space here and a lot of room to grow. And we have some, uh, you know, pretty good soil, believe it or not. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I hope you've got something good out of this. But there are better days coming, even though worse days may come first. Trust God. Believe what he says in his word. He means business, and we need to take heed. I need to take heed to it. I'm not any better than you are. Now, I'm just one who wants to proclaim what God says. Well, until next time, you can go to my website, JesusIsWhy.com, or I Tell Why. Either one will take you to the same place. But until then, and by the way, there's no ads, nothing. I'm not trying to get your email address or any of that, although you can email me. You can get the address on the website, itellwhy.com. Anyway, take care. Have a great day.